Welcome to Booze to Better, the podcast that's all about the journey from drowning sorrows to rediscovering what life is about. I'm your host, Marcus Jones. Each episode is an invitation to join a community of individuals just like you who've decided to rewrite their stories and embrace a clearer and undeniably better life. So why Booze to Better? Because here we're all about trading hangovers for real highs and numbing out for deep diving into what makes us tick. Expect heartfelt conversations, expert insights, and a few laughs along the way while we navigate the twists and turns of this transformative journey. This is Bruce to Better, where the journey is just as important as the destination. Let's get started. Hello, today I am 1,111 days sober. I have got the lovely Jamie Reeves from Wigan on episode four. Jamie is a blue-eyed soul man, a business and transformation coach, entrepreneur, dad, singer, songwriter, and former extra on EastEnders. How are you, legend? I'm good. You forgot to mention about learning to ride a moped on Albert Square in that. If you're going to mention EastEnders, <laughs> oh, apologies. Right. So, what? Explain to our listeners what. Start what, the what podcast again. <laughs> Right, let's let's fucking start again. Right, so right back to the back to the start. So, blue-eyed soul man, business transformation coach, entrepreneur, dad singer, songwriter, dad singer songwriter, former extra on EastEnders. He learned to ride a moped on EastEnders. Right, over to you. How did that happen? And tell me about it. So, um, in my twenties, I spent a lot of time going around the circuit, singing and stuff, and. One of the ways, uh, a lot of that is kind of weekend work. So a lot of the things that singers do is do extras stuff. So be in the background for EastEnders and, and whatnot. Um, so I hooked up with a agency. You've got me a few ads, got me EastEnders a few times. Um, and the first call for EastEnders, he said, can you ride a moped? I went, has it got gears? He went, no, I don't think so. I said, yeah, I'll be all right then. Um, so I haven't got... <laughs> I haven't got done basic training or whatever it is to, to ride a moped. I just said, yeah, I'll do it. Um, and because um, it's classed as a special skill, so you didn't just get your normal money, you got double your money um, and an easier job. But the, the EastEnders mechanic used to hate me because every time the, the moped was always breaking down. So if I walked in with the, mo- with the helmet, <laughs> he'd be like, you can shove that helmet up your fucking arse. <laughs> Brilliant. Who was on the, Who was on EastEnders at the time then? Was it like Peggy um, Mitchell? Yeah, so you'd have like um, Mike Reed and Barbara oh, Windsor. And Brilliant. Barry, Barry from EastEnders. Yes. Um, so the Mitchell brothers. No, Phil was there. I don't think Grant was. Um, the DeMarcos, do you remember them? Yes, uh, Beppe. I've, I've eaten food in their cafe. Um, love that so uh yeah and I, i've done since moving back to that was when i lived in gloucester when we moved to the northwest i've done Corrie, hollyoaks um emmerdale so i've pretty much done all the major major soaps that's um, amazing so i've arrested i was a copper in hollyoaks and i arrested warren fox that um, is brilliant so there you go there's a couple of extra tales but as glamorous as all that sound, extras work is fucking boring. It's oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. now. 
12 hours set on a set oh. waiting to kind of walk there and talk rhubarb. No, thank you. I can imagine that. That's what, so when I did The Weakest Link, I had yeah. to sit, I had to, yeah, the rhubarb stuff. So you had to sit in the, the like, waiting room, the green room before that they film you all in there. And you, yeah, you had to say, like, Pretend they had to. And that's that's what you do there. Um, Jonathan Ross's mum used to work on EastEnders as a regular extra, and I've met her a few times. Wow! So that's that's why I went on the weakest link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I went because weakest link though, because I thought I wanted to be. I mean, I don't now at all, but I wanted to be on TV. So I was like, what things can I be on? So I've been on like. At this this random show with one of the in betweeners before they were like really famous on BBC Two, it's called Winging It. But right. I would do anything. I would do anything. So, but but it's interesting because people I'd been on that weakest link with, I'd watch like game shows like Golden Balls. Remember Golden Balls with Jasper Carrot? I'd watch these things and I'd be like, I met her at, at weakest link. They're, so it it wouldn't just be me. It'd be everyone jumping around the circuit like trying to get on like. These game shows, yeah, and I, yeah, it was oh. anyway because like when you <laughs> sat having um, it's filmed at Elm El Street, yeah, and Elstree, yeah, yeah. Pops there, and and kind of you you go in the canteen and you have your dinner, and like you've got little Mo sat across the way from you, and then yeah, yeah, pop star from top of the pops is is kind of in the corner of your eye. It is a bit surreal. Talking to pop stars, you've had a top 10 hit as well, haven't you? Kind of. It's a bit of a blag, really. Well, it is and it isn't. I've been in the iTunes reggae chart top 10 for one That's day. Incredible. So, That's still so, yeah, incredible. Song Let's Get Married um, got into the iTunes top 10. So, And you wrote was... that for your wife, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was our, our, all about our wedding day. Oh. Um, so, you romantic, my... you. Yeah. So, I like a bit of reggae music, so it was uh, yeah. Married in Jamaica, so it was quite quite apt. Ah, so who who else was in the chart then when you we when you when when you were in like the top ten? So it was based on reggae, so it's a lot of like classic reggae stuff. So people like you before, Bob Marley, Kevin Little. Um, wow. Shaggy. Um. So yeah, that's incredible. So it's, obviously, I've explained to you, I've explained to listeners, um, in my words, who Jamie Reese is. Yeah. So, in your words, who is Jamie Reeves? Um, I'm just dad. Really, that that's my my bit. I, I kind of live to provide experiences for me and my family. Um, so, and I do that through my company, The Best Singing Waiters. Um, I set up a coaching company now called Doctor Beers. I play around with music, so I love writing writing music. I've got three albums out. Um, and then I'm just an unpaid Uber driver driving my kids around to all their activities. That's uh, brilliant. So yeah, yeah. I, I know how much of a family man you are, and it's great to see. What does booze to better mean to Jamie? So let me get my sober app out. So I stopped drinking about seven, eight years ago. But then when Liverpool got to the FA Cup final, the green man without didn't only had Bex Blue in there. Um, and Bex Blue wasn't good enough for an FA Cup final, so um, I, I indulged then. And but since then, I've probably been—I can't find my app—over 500 days anyway since I last last drank. Um, 
I've got a little brew dog, Hazy AF. Love it. Off one of my Christmas box beers. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't. TVs in your home. Couldn't you? Yeah, that's a shame. Um, <laughs> so, um, for for me, it's about having more energy. Um, that was completely the reason why I gave up drinking. I went to a, a house party a, around Halloween, just after my 40th birthday. So we're probably going back about eight years and got smashed. Didn't have a problem with booze at all. I, I regularly drink a beer or, or max two most of the time and occasionally got smashed. Like most, what is deemed as normal people. Yeah. Um, and then got got really drunk, had a three-day hangover and just thought, fuck this, we're a game of soldiers. Um, I'm too busy. I need better energy than this. A lot of people within my peer group, within I used to do, well, just rejoined a thing called Entrepreneur Circle. And a lot of people within that were, were, um, were kind of giving up the drink. And I was like, this is really interesting. Why don't I try it? Um, so I did, um, gave up for a couple of weeks, then went to some restaurant that didn't have alcohol-free beer. No, it wasn't. It was a songwriting com- conference, um, and got given your first drink free. So it was a bottle of Corona, tasted it. And all I could taste after two or three weeks of drinking Bex Blue was the chemicals, was chemicals. the alcohol. And I was like, no, this is shit. And went back to the alcohol-free stuff. Um, and then when I went to the cup final, I found a couple of beers that didn't taste so alcoholy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So a couple of the IPAs that Candon Brewery do. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it's... But then really in that cup final, I felt a little bit Sabutio player, a little bit wobbly and felt a bit shit because the hangover started coming during the game when when you stopped drinking and didn't enjoy it as much as I should. Um, and I'm a bit pissed off with myself, if I'm honest, because it's, it's kind of a little bit like when you smoke when you're 15. Yeah. You know, when you first start smoking, you don't really like the taste. It makes you pull a whitey, you feel green and sick and horrible, but you keep doing it to look cool. And I'm wobbling in the cup final thinking, you idiot. You've just yeah, been a yeah. 15-year-old self. Um, so pretty much after that, I think I, I got a free voucher for a cider, and most alcohol-free ciders are shite. Um, they're like apple ties. There's one that's decent um, that's called Unicorn Cider, and I can't remember for the – that is done by Tasty Cider. They're a cider specialist based in Somerset, and they do a really nice – alcohol-free cider that reminds me a little bit of Strongbow. Yeah, yeah. I used um, to love a Strongbow. Yeah. Well, this one is a proper craft cider, so yeah, I, I buy it sometimes as a treat. Um, yeah. If the kids are getting loads of bottles of Prime, and, <laughs> I, I'm, and I'm thinking, we're spending two, three pounds on this rubbish. Yeah. I myself craft cider because it's too expensive, and we're, there you go, there's another bottle of Prime. There's another. <laughs> right. Where's that cider order again? bang um yeah but um yeah that's kind of it was to be have more energy um 
I'd just become a dad for the third time. And yeah, drinking just wasn't fun anymore. Um, no. So yeah, that's that was kind of what triggered me into to giving up the booze. So for me, obviously, a bit about your bio, you, you started DJing at 16 years old. Mm-hmm. How did that then impact you coming into, because I've, I've basically, I've read a lot about DJs and a lot about their stories is they go hard early. And then like most of them now, Brandon Block, Calvin Harris, yeah, are all now like they'll grow watermelons and, and you know, drink green tea. Yeah. What was your what was your experience like when you because of 16, 16 is quite a young age to start DJing. What was your experience like when when you were DJing? So um, for for me, it was kind of more commercial and more pop. So it wasn't the, while the scene is very very different now. A lot of that what was kind of deemed as underground kind of dance back then um, is probably kind of a lot more mainstream now. Um, so it was much more kind of to start with more when disco-y um, but then as I moved into pubs and clubs um, uh, I got my Pete Tong on and started learning how to mix and, and yeah, do yeah. <laughs> don't ask me to do it now because I probably <laughs> couldn't mix a cake um, <laughs> but uh, I used to do all the beat matching and stuff um, but because I was driving everywhere I didn't really kind of drink that much so I'd have a pint or two tops and then kind of leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, but it being involved in the entertainment industry on the Monday nights off. Um, so when I worked at the nightclub, because you work from kind of Wednesday to Saturday over in the next, I lived in Gloucester, the next town Cheltenham used to have Monday night student night. So we'd all pile over going Kings early doors, get a few diners then go over to, to Cheltenham. And yeah. Um, so that... that so, And we've got quite a family culture <laughs> of drinking as, as well. So drinks always been available within within the house. Um, not kind of anything alcoholic or anything, but everything's celebrated with a drink. Everything's commiserated with a drink. Um, toasted with a drink. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And and drink was used as a, a way to unwind, um, especially for my parents. They're working class parents. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My dad was an electrician, or still is. My mum was a nurse. Um, so there was always be beer, wine, and everything around the house. And we went, that was never hidden from us. So we, we would often have a little bit of wine with our Sunday dinner. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 14, 15, um, I'd be able to have a can of beer. Because my mum and dad would rather me have a can with them than get pissed on the streets. Yeah, it's such a, such an interesting thing. Yeah. What they didn't know is I'd have a couple of cans on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> nice little beer buzz come there. Have another one while I'm sat with them. Yeah. So I'd go to bed with a nice little beer buzz on. I wouldn't wouldn't get smashed and be throwing up. Um, although I did on a couple of occasions. Um, but. A typical Friday night wouldn't mean that I'd be thrown up, but I'd have a nice little beer buzz because I was clever about it, so that I could have three or four beers and and yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's crazy how it, that seems to be the culture. Because 
I'm sent. I'm getting the same sense of warm, warm vibes. Like fourteen, fifteen, I'd be able to go out with my parents, have a meal, and yeah. I always believed there was a rule that when you're sixteen or when you, I think you first, you know, I, I don't know what it was. When it was thirteen, you could have a meal, you have a beer with your drink, even you a beer with your food, and it, it's yeah. bollocks, whatever it was. But I would then, ha- yeah, I, I remember the first. The first holiday I went to Spain, and uh, they're a bit more lax. But I, I went with my dad. We went to watch United, and we had Carling Premier, and it was really smooth. But Carling yeah. Premier was quite strong. Well, for me, at fourteen years old, yeah. I remember having two pints, and I was wasted. But that was like my first taste of of of, of beer. But but it was kind of like a more you did it with your dad, and it wasn't that you know because you weren't. I suppose yeah, it was more holiday. I remember drinking Keo in Cyprus when I was yeah. like 13, 14, when we went out for a meze. And yeah, yeah, that that was definitely definitely done um, when when you went abroad on holiday. But it was more. It was more at the time. I believe it was more like acceptable because you weren't going out. So they didn't know you weren't going out getting battered with your mates, but because. My mum and dad have always said, if it's under our roof, we we know you've got a handle on it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's different when I was doing it under their roof when I didn't have a handle on it. It's quite weird, isn't it, how how yeah. that happened? Uh, yeah. I, I I'd like that for, for my kids right now. Yeah, I was about to say, what yeah. what position? So my wife still drinks occasionally. Um, yeah. But we just with Christmas just gone, I said, oh, do you want to get me... She, she'll have a cider usually, so either a Magnus or a Copperberg or something like that. Yeah. So if you want me to get some, some cider in for Christmas, she's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Because she was working a little bit. So we don't tend to have alcohol in the house. So if, if she drinks, it's usually because she's gone out on a social occasion with her workmates or her friends or something. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be harder for them to come. Whereas... Me as a teenager, I could go and nick a soda stream bottle and create a nice little cocktail. Yeah. Uh, from thing and then sneak that onto the school fields with your mates and have a little crafty little sip. Um, yeah. I've got a, a brew dog hazy AF here. Um, that's not going to be the same sneaking that behind the bike sheds for my kids. You're <laughs> so, um, a bit fucked on that one. What's your, because how old is your oldest now? Your oldest is getting 14. He's 14. 15. What's your stance on on? Because I know he's super athletic, super into football. So yeah. obviously, nine times out of ten, they don't go in hand in hand. However, yeah. what what's your stance if he's come to you saying, "Dad, I fancy a pint," or "Or Dad, am I allowed to have a have a alcoholic drink or whatever?" What's your stance on that? It's his choice because I can't make that decision for him. No. He, you know as well as I do that if you try and do that to your child, they're just going to go and do it anyway. Rebel, yeah. Um, so we, we've already had that conversation that while I hope that you follow in my footsteps, it yeah. isn't my decision to make. That's totally your decision to make. And he's like, no, nah, Dad, I, I want to play football at the highest level I can. So that's not even on my radar at the moment. And we've also talked about drugs as well. Um, yeah. Because I'd rather he had a conversation with me. Um, especially nowadays that it's much more prevalent and much more readily available to what it was when I was 14, 15. Um, yeah, yeah. You, when, I, when I was kind of 
well, probably not 14, but 15, 16, weed was going around quite quite a bit. And obviously, yeah, yeah, same. You would try try that, and I smoked when I was that age as well. So that probably made that pathway a little bit easier. Um, I'd be the only thing I'd be really disappointed if he smoked. If he smoked, yeah, I'd yeah, be biggest bollocking ever. Because I'm an ex-smoker as well as ex-drinker. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm probably what some people would call the most boring person in the world. But as an ex-smoker, you you tend to be harder on on that when it just the smell of it. And so I'd be really yeah. disappointed if he did that. But then again, the, the peer pressure and the flavors that are available when you vape now. Um, and the it, colors as well, don't they? They make yeah, it so yeah, it's, attractive. It's, it's like, it is like it's targeted to kids, which is 100%. not great. But if, if he tried drugs, I'd, I'd want him to be educated on it. That that would be my only kind of, okay, you want to try this. So tell me about the pros of it. Tell me about the cons of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell me who you're getting it off. Tell me who you know who you've got it off. That have yeah, had it off yeah, yeah. Before. Um, what was their experience on it? Be be sensible about it, about it because th- there are pros and cons to everything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As people that have, like, I've only ever done weed, so I can't really kind of talk about experiences and, and anything else. Yeah. But, um, th- there'd be highs and lows, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, so it's it's not a decision I can make for him. I can only guide him. Yeah, it's crazy how you mentioned about the vape situation because I I agree with you in in terms of how they the marketing is is purely based. You know the flavor the flavors the colors. Mm-hmm. The same happened to us. I, I'm a little bit younger, but the same happened to us with like Hooch and WKDs. They're all aimed at us because the colors the flavors you know they're all you know i, I just i just saw yesterday that wkd have got an 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 alcohol free one out now and a lot of people are trying it and saying it's bringing them back to their youth but it's why don't yeah wicked was just like or wkd was just like iron brew so why not yeah iron brew yeah, uh, yeah so yeah that doesn't really make sense to me it's it is crazy how they they market it at, because I see 13, 14 year old kids all all walking around with vapes now because it's the in thing, isn't it? And like you yeah. said, peer pressure can 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 get to you in that way. So when you were um, tra- traveling around Europe singing um, at the age of twenty as as a Robbie Williams tribute act, what yeah. what was the what was the um, what was the lure there? And, and was there any, was there any like wild nights when you were doing that or what, what how, how did that happen how did that come across and how did how did you because i know you met your wife in when you were traveling europe as well yeah so my first job abroad was when i was 20 working as a dj kids presenter in a holiday center um that was all inclusive so we were just on the lash all the time six yeah. seven nights a week um so i injured my knee at the end of it um I was playing volleyball and I just dived and caught my kneecap wrong and my legs knee swelled up and had to go and have some injections and things and they were taking fluid off off my knee and it was this like golden yellow colour and I just joked to to the doctor I know that's San Miguel on the knee that um, because <laughs> I drank that much of it that summer yeah um, working in a 
one inclusive place. You just you guests come up and give you a couple of beers and feed you a couple of beers here, there, and everywhere. And my twenty first over there got absolutely battered. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was working till two o'clock, uh, and I was legless by the time I was there because it was my birthday, and they someone picked up a table. They got a load of beers used the table like a tray and brought it over and put it next to my DJ booth. Um, <laughs> so it was just help yourself. And I, I vaguely remember ping-ponging, walking home at like four or five in the morning or whenever it was. And then I phoned my mum the, the the day of my birthday, my 21st birthday, and I had to cut the call short because I was that hungover. I was about to go and be sick. <laughs> um, but and And that was what you classed as a... A great night out then. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I just kind of look back on some of those things and and think if I'd have cared less about alcohol and more about pushing myself in the right way, would I have achieved more? And don't get me wrong, I, I've achieved quite a lot in my life. And yeah, where the ups and downs have happened, it, I, I've had some beautiful beautiful results out of them like i was never meant to go to cyprus i was meant to do menorca for the for the summer but that bombed and i ended up going to cyprus and in cyprus is where i met my wife and now we've had three kids and made this life together so if something shit hadn't have happened something beautiful would never have happened um but i do think that would i have with a more sober head would have i achieved more in music when i was chasing um the pop dream um trying to get into a boy band or do something solo um you'll never know will you so so going back to that how did then being a dj a kid uh, sorry um, an all-inclusive how did that turn into a a dream of being in a pop band how how did that momentum shift happen and, and and what happened in that so with it being a family holiday centre, they used to put on lots of shows and um, got involved in dancing and a lot of it was mime. But um <laughs> used to sing along to the songs and all the guests would be like, you've got a really good voice, why don't you sing? Um, so the next year I went and worked for Haven and instead of doing in it... In Cyprus? A, <laughs> no, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I, I thought because like... Mallorca was an island. Isle of Wight's an island. I had, <laughs> I had the choice of doing Scarborough, a real big, one of their biggest holiday centres, or I could do the Isle of Wight. And I thought, well, Mallorca was an island. Isle of Wight's an island. I had loads of fun in Mallorca. Isle of Wight would be just the same. And it wasn't. It was fucking awful. Um, I hated it. Um, and couldn't wait to, to, to leave, I guess. Had some real fun times and met some real nice people. So it's probably sounding a bit harsh if any of my old Haven mates that were listening. <laughs> um, but it, when you compare, they say comparison is a thief of joy, and it definitely is in this. When I compare Mallorca to the Isle of Wight, two completely different seasons. Um, so that got me into singing. Then I worked around the circuit a little bit in the UK and then got the opportunity to go to Menorca. Um, there's a Robbie Williams tribute over there that died after about two months. Um, but I managed to get the rest of the summer over in Cyprus, which was supposed to be for three months. And I stayed for three years. Um, before Easy. Back over here. 
So when you come back into the UK, was that when you decided, have you decided, obviously I know you've got three albums, but have, have the first album did pretty well, pretty well, didn't it on iTunes? Yeah, it did, did okay. The, the, the album was probably done about seven years. I think this year's the 10th anniversary, I believe. Um, so yeah, it was quite, yeah, we came back in two thousand and six. So it'd be about nine years from coming back. So it wasn't wasn't something I did straight away. Um, so yeah, it it was an itch that I just had to scratch. I had to had to do it, even if I was only doing originally. It was just one song. Yeah. Um, and then it turned into something more. Have you got plans to do? Have you got plans to really? I know you're super super busy and and really like obviously an inspiration to me and I've, I've i've leaned on you a lot with your your business and your um yeah just how how well you've been to me but what because you're busy do do you still have that dream in the background that i, I want to still release albums release songs because i i suppose because you're i know you're you're taking your kids here there and everywhere with football dance and likes do you get time to still write songs you know um and and sing them um not so much sing them um i love the writing process um i hate everything else i I love creating something and then getting that final bit done um but all the other bullshit that goes with it the the bit that you need to do to make it successful creating content and promoting it and doing all that I, i just don't really have time time for that so I'm kind of I have a love hate relationship with writing music. Yeah. Um, like I love the process of it. I love creating it. I love hearing that sound, and I'm incredibly proud of what I've what I've done. But then it really fucking annoys me that it hasn't done very well, or yeah, not yeah. To, the, to the level that that I want it to be at. Um, so then I'm like, I'm, I can't be asked to write music. I'm never going to write music again. This is just such a, a Larry letdown. I'm not fucking doing it anymore. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll throw my toys out the pram and then sooner or later I'll be like, yeah, I've got this idea. <laughs> I'll start, start writing down a few song titles and I'm, I'm sure at some point in the future I'll, I'll create album number four or at least release a few more singles um, just to scratch the itch, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I might be able to go booze free. Um, might be able to give up the cigs, but I don't think I'll ever give up writing songs. And and I've listened to the the third album. It was bloody brilliant. So, I, yeah, massive massive kudos to that. So with the business, um, the best singing waiters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you you used to um were the main the main act, and you sang a lot at wedding. A lot. Of, I know it's corporate dues as well, but a, a lot yeah. of it's based on weddings and they tend yeah. to be quite a boozy gigs so the yeah. ones you sung at before how how would you obviously you act like a pro now but how would you deal with the social pressures to booze when you were at these gigs or is it because you're a singer you didn't you just went and come back if that makes I sense i was always really controlled well i say really controlled because I can tell you a few stories of getting boozed up at gigs really, really easily. But if I was driving, I was always really controlled. I yeah. never have more than kind of half or a pint because um, they're just too far away and it just 
makes makes things awkward. Um, but if I didn't have to drive, then I'd get on it with with the wedding guests. Yeah, yeah. Going, going to Italy and did a gig in Rome. Wow, it was ju- Jubilee weekend, real Irish wedding. So that Irish wedding where all the booze is paid for. Yeah, yeah. So that was a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so it's Jubilee weekend, really busy. I had a gig on the Friday in Italy, um, and then on the Saturday I was. Hertfordshire somewhere I think um so did my thing pretended to be Italian stormed <laughs> really went well had this Irish guy trying to speak to me in Italian and I'm there just going see see grazie grazie and he's there trying to speak his best Italian and I'm just thinking just spit it out in fucking English lad I'll understand <laughs> it um, so when when he was revealed the look on his face was like I was trying to speak Italian to you, you twat. Um, <laughs> so anyway, did the gig, stormed the gig, and they had Peroni on tap, they had red wine, they had mojitos, got absolutely battered with them, don't know how I got to bed, woke up the next morning with a knock on the door from the taxi driver, going, should have been gone 10 minutes ago, come on, get up. So I'm there, scrambled all my stuff into my suitcase, <laughs> couldn't find my phone. Yeah. Uh, taxi driver's not you need to go come on um so i had to leave my phone there no. don't know where <laughs> happened to my phone so i then flew back to the uk it's the busiest weekend we'd ever had up to that point as singing waiters none of my team could get a hold of me because i got pissed the night before and lost my phone wow so, so yeah and then when years later went and did mallorca um we did like a, a test thing for for Thompson holidays and then on the last night went out with the boys and we had a really good time but again I can't remember going home yeah it's and crazy that, that was probably one of the things as well when I was thinking about giving up drinking that I was thinking back to because as I got older I remembered less yeah um, and I, I just felt that that wasn't good and Kind of, I remember the next day going for a siesta because I felt rough as shit. Yeah, and the room was still spinning around, and I'm like, "Yeah, you need to, need to think, stop, stop." Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I think that's it because the older you get, the worse the hangovers or the worse the the recovery gets. Because you know, totally. I, yeah, like the 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 the, the Friday I would or the Thursday I, it would be my start of my weekend, and then. By Sunday, I was hanging, and then it would take until the Wednesday, and then I'd do it all again. So it's, you just, you're just absolutely killing your body and, and all your energy. Just explain, because I've, I've again, I've done a bit of research today, but just explain to people who aren't familiar with the best thing about it, what what it what it what it means and what 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 they do. So typically, we do like weddings and corporate events. So we'll pretend to be waiters right through up until kind of the end of mains beginning of desserts then we'll kind of do something to grab everybody's attention um propose a toast something along those lines and then during the desserts we burst out in song work the tables get everybody waving napkins and doing a little love train conga lines around the room and having sing-offs and just really breaking all the, the kind of party etiquette rules and and just making it one great big party while everybody's still eating um 
and the surprise nature of that just really changes the atmosphere. It makes people really un-British. Um, so even the most hardened crown kind of just lose themselves and go with the flow. Yeah. Um, I call interestingly, I call it getting drunk on the wedding rather than drunk at the wedding. Yeah, yeah, I um, love that. So, oh. so whereas people kind of lean on the, those bottles of wine to create the conversation and to, to create that atmosphere to break the ice, for the singing waiters, you don't need that. So how how did the how did the idea come up from you because it's it's incredible so how how did that arise so i was trying to launch a wedding entertainment agency um put together this big catalog website that had loads of different acts like bands pipers um classical singers impressionists lookalikes and singing waiters um and for one reason or another google ranked singing waiters my page of singing waiters on the first page. So we used to get loads of inquiries. At the time, it was the only kind of singing waiters you could get were operatic. Um, there was nobody doing like pop sing along stuff. And I found them really difficult and really expensive to work with. They, they kind of gave you, it costs this, and then we need this, and then we need this, and then we need this. And then we, just give me one fucking price. Yeah. So that I can go to my client, say, right, add my 15% or. 20% or whatever I was charging. I think it was 15. Um, this is going to be the price. This is the deposit. Then you pay the balance then. Um, but because it was so awkward and so expensive, I never got any bookings off it. So I was struggling for gigs a little bit and was like, you know, this could work as a pop thing and get people singing along. So I started it like that. And within a year, we had six people working for us and it just, and you've also had um people that have been on the x factor haven't you i remember you telling me one story about them coming to because how you used to audition i'm sure that now they or they used to come to your house is that right yeah yeah back in the early days they were they would be kind of auditioning in my front room or my kitchen um so now with the advent of technology we use zoom lots um and and live video um, but going back sort of like 12, 14 years ago, there was no Zoom, um, not as easy. Video phones were just kind of coming in, but they weren't weren't particularly brilliant. Um, so we'd do a lot of face-to-face -face auditions. So people would come to my house to start with, and then I moved my work out of the house into an office. Um, but where the office was, there was lots of other businesses. In fact, our office used to be across the way from um one of the Wigan MPs. Wow. So if if they're belting the audition and they're doing some serious work in the MPs <laughs> office. Um, so then we I, I was doing some music lessons and they had a little rehearsal room so we used to hire that occasionally. But then it's always a pain in the ass because you'd hire it and then there'd be a no show. Yeah. So that's why nowadays we just use Zoom. It's a lot easier on our time. It's a lot easier for everybody else and you can still get across a lot of the same stuff amazing so what what alternative um coping mechanisms have you turned to without resorting to alcohol alcohol free stuff yeah so when i first started i basically swapped um corona for bex blue um and then over the years there's been lots of different ones that have just 
got better and better and better. Um, I wouldn't touch Bex Blue with a barge pole now. No, no, 100%. Um, because there's so many different ones. Guinness Alcohol Free is, is my favourite, so um, they need to sponsor your pod. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, it's next level, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's my favourite. Um, Brewdog do some nice ones, like I'm drinking one of my Christmas beers here called Hazy AF. Yeah, it's good. Um, Infinite IPA I like. Um, interestingly, I think most of the major brands are shit. Agreed. Yeah, we, we're actually talking about this to, to some other um, some some people in the community today, and and there's a massive um, I think some some stat about the big brands are still leading the way, but I've seen a lot of like indie bands like in, independents come through because although Brewdog do a good one, there's, there's a company called Mash Gang. Um, right, and they they're like the alcohol-free version of Brewdog, but they bring up some really good stuff, you know. And I've actually just been to a uh, the first one, this pop-up shop in Cambridge, and there's so many different little cool brands, but the big conglomerates have just unfortunately, well, it's life, isn't it? But they do, do you know what really pisses me off about pubs? So you go into pubs, a lot more of them have got Guinness alcohol-free now, so that's 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 great. Yeah. Um, but the all they serve you is Heineken. Yeah, hundred percent. Now Heineken with alcohol in is shit. Yeah. <laughs> so what makes you what makes you think when it's alcohol free, it's going to be any better? Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm. That's so, my bugbear as well. Please, 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 please. Yeah. Do some research and kick Heineken off your shelves because it's crap. Yeah, and I think the research out there now, you know, some, you know, especially with like like eighteen to twenty five year olds, only like quarter of them drink. You know, that everyone's going alcohol. You know, it's it's more of a trendy thing to do as well now. So get with it, and and like, yeah, definitely. I, I spoke to um, someone the other day who, who runs a nightclub, and they were saying how they've brought some really good brands in, um, yeah. alcohol free brands out because. Not many, you know, especially if it, if you know, if you're going to watch a gig on a Tuesday night, you, unless you're like I was in my teens or twenties, wanted to get battered, but not many people do now. So that they'll, it's best to have that option in. I mean, yeah, and a decent option. How do you think yeah. your decision to live alcohol free has influenced your relationships, like personally and professionally, and also how's it impact? How's it influenced your your businesses? You do, well, I've got more energy, um, so I don't have to worry about um, spending three days hungover. Um, so that's that's the best thing. I can always drive everywhere. This I remember going on holiday to Cyprus, um, and. I think my parents were looking after the kids. So me and Claire sneaked off to kind of this English bar, upset all the locals um, by doing the quiz and winning and taking all the money. And I think we had like, well, I had five bottles of Bex Blue or something. And it was great to drive there and then drive back home. Yeah, yeah. No bother. Um, so that aspect of things, being always being able to, to drive somewhere, like on... New Year's Eve, um, I Claire was like, "Well, you can drive because it means I can have a cider." 
I'm like, yeah, Paul, I've got no issue with, yeah. with, with that. Um, I did have an issue with the restaurant. It's a lovely restaurant, so I won't name it. But they ran out of alcohol-free beer on New Year's Eve, which was a bit of a yeah. come on, guys, sort yourself out. Um, but it's a lovely restaurant, and <laughs> they always serve me well. So I'm not going to mention it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> if they recognise me, then they can do me the respect because I didn't name them. Exactly. Um, yeah. So like, but, um, yeah, it's just it's just been a massive like the energy is the the main focus. What you energy yeah. is the main thing. That that was the whole reason why I gave up was because. Even having two or three beers was making me feel a bit crappy for a couple of days. Um, so, and then when I had more than a few beers, I couldn't remember half of the evening. Mm. So, what's the point? Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. To be honest, I think that especially when we're getting older, you know, we 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 think that night was great, but can we really remember it? I, I, I you know. I've been on holidays where I can fucking remember there's, what happened. There's a famous saying about Richard Branson. Richard Branson says, if you can remember going to a virgin party, you probably weren't there. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Um, so, a- again, I just, I'm trying to build all these really nice experiences that I have for myself, with my wife and with my kids. I want to remember those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to forget them. I don't want to get so bad that I can't can't remember it, and then feel shit for two days afterwards. I, I like I say, I, I'm really bad about ex-smokers. I think I'm going that way about drink as well now. Yeah. Um. So, it, but yeah, it's interesting you touch upon smokers. I I've always been. My parents smoked when I was a kid, and and I've I've got asthma. I, I, mm-hmm. but i i've always been not like anti anti smoking so i i 100% do that now and obviously i've i've loved and i i think that's i've had a lot of shit recently and this is what we talked about off air in terms of like sticking your head above that parapet i've had a lot of shit recently because people are seeing it as more of of me preaching or just because you someone's commented saying just because you had a problem doesn't mean everyone else has a problem yeah totally and and I get that, and I hundred percent agree with that. But 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 I'm not saying I'm not saying. All I'm saying is it's not coming from a preachy. I fucking loved the session. I loved all of that. But what I'm saying is now I come from a different point of view. This is my my journey. Like obviously, I'm, that's why I get amazing people on like who share their other journeys. And the fact is that the the, the networks and the people we hang with, their lives dramatically improved since giving up what is a poison so that's i'm i'm that's that's all i'm all i'm sharing and and it's interesting to hear other people's views on it and it triggers people though doesn't it because you're you're being different from the norm um so for me i don't preach my my wife still drinks and and still goes out with the girls and we'll we'll still do shots and things like that and yeah that that's totally cool. If if she's happy doing that, then then I'm happy. Um, like I said before, for for my kids, um, well, I don't wish it upon them. If they choose to do that, and they're educated, and they know the pros and cons, then that's their decision, not mine. Um, so yeah, it's 
my, my parents drink, my brother drinks. Yeah. Most of my family drink. They probably think I'm I'm weird and I'm I'm the odd one out. And I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm happy being me. And if people like it, great. If they don't, fuck off. Well, and exactly that. Like, they don't have to watch my content. They don't have to listen to my stuff. I've had enough nice comments and enough, enough great comments. And my, and my clients are, in, are happy with my stuff. So they're the, they're, they're the priorities and they're the main people. You know, the fact that we're talking about families, the impact it's had on my family. We went. I went to my mum and dad's for Christmas Day. And it was only my mum and dad that were drinking. My my brother-in-law and my sister, we all had they all had non-alcoholic gin. I mean, we had probably the best range possible. And I'm like, I didn't say that. I just said to my mum, can I have Asahi Zero? That's all I wanted. But then that yeah. whatever snowball effect. And and that's yeah. and that's but but I can see what it's done to me. You know, it was only ever meant to be three months for me. But I can see the impact it's had, and yeah. and that's and that's why I'm still like living the alcoholic free alcohol free dream because I've gone from that booze to bed, you know, and I've been in kitchens till five o'clock in the morning, you know. I, I know, I know, I know both sides. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And 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 I, and that's all it's coming from. And it's interesting to hear a, a very successful business, businessman via how he used to drink and how a couple of and how you know I, i've seen how how much best singing weight is has flown off i've seen all the, the good stuff that you do and that's yeah that 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 just inspires that will inspire your kids and that will inspire others what yeah you can't yeah. do that unless you've got great energy no and but for for me that's what do you want out of life do you want to drink and do that it was the same when i funnily enough it was the same when i smoked i had a decision to make i had the chance to kind of be pro i was like well do i smoke or do i sing yeah so i had to give up the cigs because it was affecting my voice um and that made it really easy to to give that up yeah so it was the same, same with the drink really do i want loads of energy um to do everything i want to do with my kids and run my businesses or am I prepared to kind of get get on it, have a good time on that, but then be out of action for three, four days? Yeah. Easy decision. Yeah, the, the worst trade-off in history is Friday nights for the whole weekend, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. So to wrap it up, because I, I know I've had you so a long time, what advice would you give to Jamie in his drinking heyday and, or at the height of your booze and why would you give him that advice? I don't know if I would, because you either win or you learn. Um, it's one of my favourite sayings. Yeah. Um, I've even got my seven-year-old saying it. Love it. Um, so I, I think from there's lessons in everything, and certain things have happened for certain reasons. And I was chatting to somebody earlier about how I've been very persistent and very dogged and like if something goes wrong there then it's kind of keep your eye on the prize um keep working to find the solution to to get to that bit yeah um so 
I guess I'd just kind of say the same things as I will, will say to, to Jack and, and Amelia is that, okay, if you're going to do this, what are the pros, what are the cons, um, and then make your own decision. Um, like I said, I've, I've got a bit of regret about, well, what if I hadn't have been so obsessed about getting on the beers? What? What else could I have achieved yeah. if I'd have had a sober mindset? Um, so it it doesn't keep me awake at night. No, no. And it, it doesn't haunt me. But I do, if I go off on one and you, you're daydreaming in the clouds and, and whatnot, sometimes as you, as you do, I do think, well, what if I, if I hadn't have been so obsessed about that? Yeah, I, I, that's... Probably my. I don't regret the times I had. Not I've, I had. Well, I, I think I had some good times. Um, but what what I do regret is that is the time because what alcohol free does give you is a lot of time and a lot of yeah. thoughts. Obviously, them thoughts I didn't mask. Them them thoughts I don't mask now. Are now up here, and I I'm, I have to deal with them in other ways. But I I can't I can't get back then five six years that's the only like i agree with you like think how further along i'd have been in certain things but as you said it, I, there were lessons but you'd never that. be here now doing, doing what you're doing hundred percent i wouldn't be hadn't gone down that road hundred percent i wouldn't um, be yeah so you're right so, yeah you you either win or you yeah learn. exactly and and there's 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 always lessons in there and, and i think yeah. i'm uh, now where I'm at with with my life, I'm so grateful for all for all them sessions sessions and for all them wild nights because exactly what you said, I wouldn't be here now. I wouldn't be speaking to amazing people like yourself, and I wouldn't be. I don't think I'd be as far along. I, maybe not even be here at all. That's how obviously dark it got. But yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting and and it, it it's quite insightful listening to you about it saying. Your your take on it, saying you probably won't give it, and it, it is interesting to, to hear because a lot of people have said, uh, well, other people have said, oh, it will be all right, which it, it obviously is. But but when you said it like that, you know, you probably wouldn't. You because everything is a lesson. It it it, it makes so much sense. You know, at this at that mad times when you were doing it, I. I when I was doing it, I, yeah, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Like I had the happiest summer ever. Yeah, being in Mallorca, um, got loads of great stories. Um, as they say, no great story ever started with the salad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> or a glass of water. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that that summer was amazing. Got loads of happy memories from it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was booze filled. Yeah, yeah. So it it was it was a lot of fun. But could I have probably had the same amount of fun without the booze? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely, definitely, because I wouldn't have been staggering halfway over the place, and probably could have um, put a few more notches on my belt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not that there weren't enough on there that season <laughs> as it was. But, um, I'll, I'll, but, yeah, I'll edit that bit in the end. Well, that's probably a 
place to end the podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much. We could go on to our escapades, and um, but that's that's for 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 the um, premium version. If you want to subscribe to that, <laughs> there'll be added bits for it. Mate, Jamie, yeah. thank you so much. Where can people find you? So it, it depends. If you want to find me um, for the singing waiters, we're the best singing waiters. So look us up on Insta and Facebook and TikTok um, online of that. If you want to go listen to some of my music, just type in Jamie Reeves on Spotify. Um, and if you're interested in business coaching, look out Dr. Biz UK on Instagram as well amazing thank you so much mate and um yeah that's just, oh, absolutely brilliant cheers mate speak cool. to you in a bit see you later